You're listening to the New Century Multiverse. Arlington Remastered. Chapter 3 The Director. From the Journal of Director Thomas W. Arlington. District of Columbia, February 11th, 1883. Sir, Major Butler is here to see you. Corporal Higgins has him at the Steamcraft Workshop. I'll be there shortly. Whom do I have left before that? We have a Jebediah Miller here to see you, sir. Got in from Ohio yesterday. He represents a rural community of some 90 people. What does he need from me, personally? He'd like to be considered a special case, sir. His grievance is fairly complex. That's why we didn't set him up with the usual channels. His settlement is Amish. I see. Have you checked him thoroughly for weapons? Yes, sir. They don't use them anyway. That's part of their lifestyle. Mr. Miller. Bishop Miller. Bishop Miller, what can I do for you this morning? And a good day to you, sir. Thank you for granting me an audience. Mm. Your people made contact with the Holmes Old Order recently, as they were passing by our land. We were asked to join in with the rebuilding of America. And despite you and your kind being outsiders, many of us are sympathetic to your cause. I'm glad to hear. It appears practical and morally upright. And while we intend to remain unspotted from your world and keep ourselves separate from its wickedness, we do see the value in a grand effort. Everybody pitching in and working hard. Music to my ears. Although I suspect there's a but coming up. However... Thought so. What troubled us greatly was that this aid you asked of us also involves acts of violence. And you cannot fight because it is against your beliefs. You are correct, sir. How are you alive? We live this day because it is... Goddess Veal. I'm serious, it's been ten years of those things roaming the countryside. I know for a fact that the Pennsylvania Dutch were wiped off the map after New York fell. The nearby urban populations produced staggering numbers of the infected. You speak of the devil men. Your brethren in Pennsylvania had no guns, and neither the means nor the inclination to defend their settlement. All we found were nests of devil men, as you say. And I learn a new word for Wendigo every day. That saddens me. We see these as a culmination of your wickedness. The beasts breaking through the human form to run wild. We can see why you would want to purge this evil. It's not demonic possession. We can be reasonably sure of that. One of our neighboring communities was similarly stricken from the land by devil men. In fact, had we not gotten into that dispute, which led to our permanent mass shunning of their village, then they might have felt the benefit of our aid. Oh God, what was the dispute over? The appropriate and goodly-sized brim for a man's hat. Well, I'm glad it was nothing silly. As with them, the seed of sin must surely have been planted within the families of Pennsylvania. It is, again, Gottesville, 
for he preserves us for our virtues and our adherence to the pathway. He has kept me alive and brought me to your door to tell you that we cannot fight. You seem familiar with the affliction. If you encountered the creatures close up, surely you fought them. We are excellent hiders. Our houses all have sturdy cellars, which we quickly supplied with foodstuffs. Once we realized, we may end up having to spend long periods within their confines waiting for the wild, prowling devilmen to lose interest and leave us in peace. You ever get creative with a pitchfork to see off the stragglers? Admittedly, yes, once or twice. And on those occasions, the Almighty kept most of us alive. There were bites. Some of us had weaker wills than others. The wickedness spread. And did shunning them help? It did not. Sir, you are truly miraculous. It seems you are mining unwarranted merriment at my expense. Oh, not nearly enough. So if I'm to understand correctly, your enclave won't be gracing our military with your martial prowess. No. We will, however, offer our services as a farming community. We already use livestock and grow crops and vegetables, just as we have for many years. We will not only continue to do that and redouble our efforts with your protection, but we shall assist in the teaching of any communities that need to know how best to till the land and cultivate animals. But none of you will pick up a gun. No. Our values are based on love and forgiveness. We will not hunt the ensorcelled for you. Neither will any of us raise a hand to the men who secede from your new union. We literally and fundamentally cannot. You could... That's a distortion of the term literally. All it would take would be the laying down of your previously held beliefs and adopting a fresh perspective. Why do you goad me? I will not react. You realize that if enough settlements agree only to these terms, then our army will not be sufficient enough in number to dispatch the creatures. I don't want to start a pattern here which would entail dire consequences. Given the bloodshed our recent history has been riven by, as a nation of peace-loving farmers... Really, all that dire a prospect? It is if they get devoured. If God had wanted my people devoured, I would not be standing here right now. All right, Jebediah, I'm not going to be able to argue this one in a logical fashion here today, so I'm going to choose to make your requested exception on a limited basis. This will not be granted to newly forming communities adopting the pacifist way of life. You must be Amish, born and bred. I'll have Brent here organize a station with the telegraph network for you. We would rather not. I suspected you wouldn't like that, but this is a deal-breaker. The network allows us to communicate with you, to relay messages about what is required, and for you to request aid when needed. None of my brothers and sisters will operate your device. And as a creation of convenience, and we will have no truck with such things. We work hard for a living. That is who we are. We shall deliver messages by hand to the nearest of your outposts. It's not about convenience. 
It's about communication, precise and to the minute. Now, I realize you are the last people in the world who would be receptive to this, but you're going to have to adapt here, even just a little. You do not leave me much choice. But I did not make a round trip of hundreds of miles to argue fruitlessly with a man who will have his way. Set up your wired station. I will see that my people help the secular world get back to its feet in what manner we are able. Good day, sir. I watched the disgruntled Mennonite march from the room, feeling the sour atmosphere left in the wake of our conversation, and marveling at how polite he had been when held in comparison with my average visitor. I then made my way through the corridors of Langley to meet with the Major. From the Journal of Major Frank Butler, District of Columbia, February 11th, 1883. Continued. Hello, Harriet. Busy morning. Still working on her breaks. Did you sleep? I mean, properly. No. Please, sleep. I'm almost done. Oh no, I know what almost done means. It means the moment you're done, you'll find something else to do to then be done. Which will then lead inexorably to something else. Repeat, repeat, repeat. I'm very familiar with this behavior. It's hereditary. Go to your room, young lady. Catnap. Three hours. Yes, sir. And dinner tonight. You're coming home for an evening. You can sleep in your bed properly. Too much work to do. I know. But you're coming home anyway. Okay, Daddy. Roast beef. Mmm. The girl walked to the end of the hangar and ducked under a doorframe into a small room back there. I did tell her to sleep last night, Director. She went into Steamheart for many hours to use one of the couch beds in there. There are too many distractions inside of that machine, Edison. She needs to be in a place with nothing but a bed. This is part of your job description, remember? I don't recall nursemaid being on the contract. You know, in a different timeline, you didn't say that. I'm sorry, Director. I truly wish I were there right now. For what it's worth, Tom, I sat with her while she ate a meal. I do not know where it all goes. She is so thin and gangly. But I assure you, solid nutritional matter passed her lips to be converted into energy in the last 15 hours. Thank you, Nicola. Back to work, gentlemen, and keep the noise down. I can hear you three rooms away. I'll turn off the generator so she can sleep. You suck. You too, Corporal Higgins. Thank you for taking care of the Major this morning. No problem, sir. Your daughter reminds me of someone else I know. Some people are too precious to lose to chance. What about you, Major? Is there someone in your life you would protect with everything you have? There is. But she can look after herself. How about America? America is the ground we're standing on. I'd die for the right Americans, though strictly between you and I, I'd rather live. Walk with me. I have something for you to try your hand at. Sir, your daughter truly has crafted a technological marvel. Oh, Steamheart is just one of the things she's built. Whom would you say designed the Vox tubes you use on the road? The mental ability within that room staggers me. There's a reason she is the way she is. A number of them, in fact. I found her perfectly charming. You're a very diplomatic gentleman. It would benefit you to understand her a little more. 
and since she herself cannot explain the enigma her disposition constitutes, it might be best if I did so. See those episodes of hers when she goes someplace else. She's dreaming. Or at least her mind is going through the same processes, only without the whimsy that most of us experience at night in our beds. For the first few years of her life, they were only short, maybe a few seconds at a time. The more she understood, the longer they got. We thought she may have been narcoleptic, falling asleep at a moment's notice, and in a manner of speaking, she is. I believe, and doctors have corroborated this, that Harriet is thinking throughout these daydreams, turning over information in her mind until everything is in its right place. When she was a child, I shared my interest in reading with her, or at least I tried. Books did not captivate Harry as they did me. I could tell she was clever, but the knowledge, the information, whether on the page or spoken aloud, would not find rest in her mind. Still, she tried to please us and got very upset with herself when she failed, which she did, consistently. On one occasion, we left her alone in a room to do her mathematics. I put my head round the door to find her in one of her spells and decided against disturbing her. Possibly I figured she was deep in concentration and left to her own devices might finish her sums in due course, with minimal prompting or error. When I returned, she had dismantled the grandfather clock and neatly laid out all of its component parts across the drawing room floor. The case stood empty and my daughter sat, gazing down at the pieces. My initial reaction was intense irritation. We had little money, and that grandfather clock had been a point of pride within our house. My second thought as I looked down at her was fear. What had possessed my little girl to do this, unbidden? Must she be watched at all times, lest she do this again? How long would it be until she hurt herself, interfering with machinery? Harry, I said softly. Harry. And she looked up at me with placid eyes, entirely unafraid of reprimand. Yes, Papa? Could you fix this, please? Sure. And with no hesitation, she returned every piece one by one to the clock, closed the door and sat back at her desk. The clock returned to its duties, and so did she. We did not speak further on the matter there, but I remember standing a while longer and just watching her, methodically going through her numbers. It was workmanlike and diligent, but nothing like the precision of movement with which she put the clock back together. One was performing a task, the other, the other was poetry. A conundrum presented itself to me. This was 1871, so how could I nurture this aptitude on a clerk's wages? I knew I could not ignore it. Seven years this little girl had struggled with languages, numbers, geography, and history. She was lonely and quiet, and so subtly expressive as to seem rude to visiting folk. So I took her to visit every place in Washington that might be of some value to her mechanically inclined mind. Every place that possessed some machinery being utilized or worked upon that would allow two Negroes in the door. My wife and I took her to watchmakers, bicycle repair shops, a man who owned a velocipede, train yards, 
Every visit she stood still and quiet with my hands gently resting upon her shoulders, studying these men at work. She became accustomed to politely asking them to explain their procedures, and most of them were only too happy that someone was taking an interest in their aptitude. For whatever reason, these words held purchase in her evasive mind. What was said had an impact. This became her true schooling. And when Washington fell, we relocated. The contraptions built to assist the people of Manassas based on the materials we had were of continued interest to her. But it was when I ascended to director of the NIA, when I truly became a man of value in the eyes of America, that I found myself with the power to give her what I had always yearned to. A workshop, tools, materials, and resources. And most of all, colleagues, contemporaries she can learn from and teach, who will match her wits and present practicality that will allow her aptitude to fly. It is at the very top of a list of things I have done with my life that are the most wholly right and proper, and we are benefiting every day from the minds in that room, including that of my little girl. Major Butler had history played out differently, I do not know what would have become of her. There was really no place for her in polite Washington society before the Wendigo arrived. But that things are as they are, she is in the best place she could be. Seems like those other histories are losing out something awful. Indeed they are. Speaking of best places for a person, that brings us to y'all being summoned here today. You have any clue why that should be? Signs would indicate you have a new position for me within the cartographers. Correct, Major. I understand you're something of a crack shot. I've been teaching shooting to the scouts on and off for seven years. Believe me when I say I'm not one to boast, but I've only met one better shot than myself. And I married her. When you found out she could beat you? The incidents were related. I know exactly what you mean. I believe you do, sir. Is Mrs. Arlington nearby today? I've never had the pleasure. That's who we're headed to. Hold on a moment. He approached a contraption on the wall and lifted off a wired brass cone, pulling a small lever as he did so. Which department? Hello, Chester. Director? Can you put me through the war room? Langley, please. Right away. There was a pause and a click, and a silky smooth voice sounded on the other end. This is Sarah Arlington. Can you be at the shooting range in five minutes? How urgent? Uh... I'll give this one a ten. Oh, the entire world is ending, and only we can stop it. Must be Tuesday. Oh, at a nine, then. Just be there. And bring three apples. That contraption put you through to another room in this place. Oh, yes. With the greatest respect, sir, you were just showing off that fact right there, weren't you? I was. Another one put together by a brain trust back there. Edison's looking to get one of these near every house in Washington over the next four years. Communication, son. It's going to be our salvation. He led me down some stairs and through three more corridors until we came out at a shooting range. It was deserted aside from the quartermaster. Would you like to use your own gun or select one of these? My eyes roamed over a variety of weaponry, being tended to, maintained, fixed, and reconditioned by the quartermaster within his walled, secure area. Some were modified versions of guns I was familiar with already, like Annie's rifle. Some were new and strange shapes. I began to feel a little out of my depth. Anything strike your fancy? Plenty. 
But I believe I'll stick with something reliable and familiar if you're going to be asking me to shoot for my supper, as I suspect you are. As you wish. If you don't mind my asking, what's the position? You're going to be my sharpshooter. Same as your wife is for Vice President Hayes. My wife is also captain of a company of RSA troops as well as protecting Hayes. I hold the rank of Major. Are we negotiating on responsibilities here? I'm just ascertaining whether I would be simply your bodyguard. There's nothing simple about this position. You will be close to me every day. That will leave you party to a great deal of information on the conflicts I deal with. I'm going to be confiding on these matters with you, and possibly deferring to your judgment. There are few positions in the military or cartographers so highly primed to affect change. But most of all, you will be the line standing between myself and immediate dangers. My life will be in your hands. You've been on a list of potential candidates for some time. You've received some impressive commendations, and we've fully studied your background and identified you as a supremely trustworthy and forthright fellow. This is not a role I would offer to many others, and we are offering it to you now. So I'd be shadowing you. Spending my day where you are. Correct. Alright, that does sound appealing. I suspected it might. Here are your apples. Sarah Arlington had just walked into the room, tossing the bright red fruit to him. She wore a beautiful black dress topped with a blue jacket. Surprisingly fancy for someone of her position. She extended a white-gloved hand. For a brief moment, I was a little bowled over with the glamour. It has been many years since women were drafted alongside us to work and fight, and the usual mode of dress is eminently practical, and I have been too busy with my duties as a soldier to rub elbows with the remaining gentry, or their daughters or wives. I stood awkwardly, unsure as to whether to bend a knee and kiss that hand or shake it as though she were a man. Without warning, Thomas flung the apples down the firing range. I was aware of their position in the air, the force with which they were flung, and the trajectory back down towards the earth. I turned, drew, and fired three shots from my Colt Peacemaker. The apples erupted in mid-air, and the fragments scattered. I reholstered, turned back, and shook her hand. Major Butler, I believe you've got yourself a job. been listening to episode three of Arlington Remastered, The Director. Written, edited, and directed by Alexander Shaw. Thomas W. Arlington and Nikola Tesla, performed by Alex Shaw. Major Frank Butler, performed by Spencer Lieb. Bishop Jebediah Miller, performed by Jesse Ferguson. Harry Arlington, performed by Loretta Saylor. Thomas Edison, performed by Matt Wardle. Corporal Higgins, performed by Megan Hopwood. Corporal Brent, performed by Anthony Miller. Private Patterson, performed by Ian Hopwood. Chester, performed by Dan Mayer. And Sarah Arlington, performed by Maureen Foley. 
Prospector theme, relaxing music, and Battle Hymn of the Republic, performed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. Make Your Decision by Dan Philipson of Shockwave Sound. Many soundscapes by Tabletop Audio. The New Century Multiverse is funded by Patreon, and our $15 sponsors get credit every episode, so thank you to Aaron Lecluse, Abel Savard, Alex Outridge, Angus Lee, Benjamin Hoffer, Brian Novak, Cassandra Newman, Chris Finnick, Christopher Wolf, Kieran Dashler, Connor Kennedy, Dan Mayer, Daniel Salguero, Dan Hepner, Dave Hickman, David Sheely, Duran Barnett, Evan Jankowski, Finbar Nicole, Greg Downing, Jameis Enright, Jesse Ferguson, Joe Gasiga, Joe Crow, Joel Robinson, Johan Clayson, Joseph Gluck, Kat Esman, Kevin Vahey, Lorraine Chisholm, Mark Luksch, Matthew A. Siebert, Matthew Webb, Michael Hasco, Scott Jacob, Sarah Montgomery, Tim Rosensky, Timothy Green, Toby Jungius, Trey Contreras, and Tom Painter. And if you enjoyed Uncivil Outlaw, be sure to leave either an iTunes review or an Amazon review. Every single one of those helps us get to more eyes and ears. 